Hey guys, welcome to the Change Up Podcast. Josh and Chad here. This is where we talk about culturally relevant topics, but we look at them through an honest gospel worldview. Let's get it. What's up, Chad? Hello, Josh. Did you find coffee? No, I'm drinking water. Oh, I was. I was using a coffee cup. Curious where you got it from. Um, so Chad's a little under the weather, guys. So y'all pray for him, <laughs> so he can be with us mentally. I've got the COVID. <laughs> Apparently, no. that's the only thing you can have these days. Yeah, it's true. Especially nah, if you get tested. I just got sinus issues. I have it about every year this time of year. So. Afrin, bro. Yeah. Afrin or uh, Zyrtec. Do you take any medicine? No. I like to let my immune system do its thing. But you are acting like a whiny baby, so <laughs> it's not really working out for you. It's just that I'm eight days into letting my immune system do its thing. My wife, I love her to death. You have to preface you know, every time you're about to say something about your wife. Say yeah. That. Um, she will go hours with a headache mm-hmm. before ever taking medicine i usually have to tell her three times you just have to get the medicine in my hand and give it to her <laughs> which is a kind gesture yeah but it's like that's, take medicine yeah well i told you i got better for like a couple of days i thought i was over it and then it just came back today so i'm a little frustrated by that mm-hmm. but we're good we're here you just want to be like in a world without sin and sickness and suffering yeah. i think the worst thing is soon I, bro soon i'm okay with dealing with sickness but when it feels like i'm over it and then it comes back it's a tough roller coaster ride yeah so i thought i was in the clear i just take it as a sign from the lord that you have unconfessed sin (laughs) (laughs) you're worse than job's friends oh that is our topic today yeah unconfessed sin maybe we'll call it that Mm. or excuses are like dot 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 we're going to go over the next two episodes will be um, the way Christians excuse their sin. And we're going to just helpfully, lovingly, uncondemningly <laughs> speak through some of these one at a time. Yeah. But first, take it or leave it. We're going to change this up a bit. I have, I'm going to lay two topics before you and you take one and leave one. All right. So that's the way we're playing this game from now on. Okay. Because three topics are just tough and then you don't even take them. So... I guess you're still not taking one of these, but I'm going to use it on the next one. So, all right. Two topics are sold with an exclamation point and makeover. Hmm. <laughs> I don't like either one of them, but I got to take one. Sold, makeover. Hmm. I want to do sold. Okay. Sold. So we're finishing up the parable of the rich young ruler. Yeah. That's not a parable, is it? No, no it's, it's a story. A, it's a real story. Yeah. That's not a parable. Um, right. There is a parable of the rich young ruler, but this is the story of the rich young man. <laughs> no. I don't think there's a parable of the rich young ruler. You hear that all the time, the parable of the rich young ruler. No, the rich young rulers, that's a real story. Maybe they're like wrongly saying the word parable. These guys, you got to watch out for them. Yeah. Spreading false information. Okay, we're finishing up the story of the rich young ruler. Mm-hmm. 
in which he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, keep the commandments. He says, I've done all those from my youth. And he says, you lack one thing, sell everything you have and follow me, mm-hmm. and then you have eternal life. Mm-hmm. The man goes away sad because he had great things. He had a lot of he was possessions. Rich. He was a rich man. So how do you, as a Christian, as a pastor, reconcile this? Because mm-hmm. so many people hear this story, and they're like, oh, I got to be poor right. to go to heaven. Yeah, I got to be, as a Christian, I should sell everything I have. And, and maybe they make some delineation in their head, like, oh, what is wealthy? You know, I shouldn't make over this amount of money. I should. Yeah. So how do you think through that? That's definitely taking it the wrong way. Uh, I think through it by um, first understand the point of the passage. The point of the passage is Christ trying to show this rich young ruler the way to salvation. The thing that he says that he wants, right? And the way to, the key to eternal life is the lordship of Christ, having no gods before me, the first greatest commandment. Right, have no other gods before the one true God. Um, and so Christ is right in wanting the only way through salvation is the lordship of Christ, where Christ is supremely lord of your life. And the reason why he attacks the wealth of the rich young ruler is because that's the very thing that was lord of his life. Mm-hmm. You can't have two gods. The Bible's clear. You can't serve both God and money in Matthew 6. Mm-hmm. And so... What Christ was doing was giving him what he said he wanted. He comes to Jesus asking the question, how do I have eternal life? Mm-hmm. Right? And you even see Jesus questioning his motivations even early because he says, why do you call me good? Only God is good because he says good good teacher. And so Jesus is trying to first see if the rich young ruler actually understands that he is truly God, first and foremost. Because I think it's also interesting in the story that he asks for eternal life. He doesn't say, what do I need to know God or what do I need to be with God? He says, what do I need to get eternal life. Yeah. Right? He's looking at it as a possession or right. a maybe a destination, yeah. but not about how do I worship you. Right. If you're God, how I want to worship you. How exactly. do I do that? Which, who, I mean, that's, that's true of a lot of people. I mean, who doesn't want heaven or at least what they think heaven to be? And there's not very many people who who want to go to hell, right? If they, if they believe in hell, yeah, you know, so who wouldn't want to know what they need to do to get that heaven, heavenly dwelling? Well, think about it. You're like a rich man, you're a ruler. So everything's going well in your life. You've kind of like figured out the world. You're like, Oh, this one thing, like I need to need to get my eternity taken care of too. Right. And so they, and he wants to be able to get into, to eternity. Yeah. But he wants to do it in his own power. What do I need to do to get eternal life? And mm-hmm. then Jesus questions him with the commandments. And it's very wise, obviously, Jesus being the, you know, the God, so of course he's wise. But when he goes to that list, the rich young ruler shows his ignorance in saying that he's kept them from his youth. Right. Because no one's perfect. There's no way that he's perfectly kept every command of the law. Mm-hmm. You know, And so right there we even see the compromising of in his own mind of like justifying certain sin versus other, or like him being able to say he's kept him from his youth. Um, his view of, of that showing his pride and his ignorance in that. 
But then Christ in the Mark's account, you know, Pastor Sam, we've been walking through it. He's he's pointed out in Mark's account. It says, and he loved him. Yeah. Right. So Jesus in his compassion says, I'm going to show you eternal life. I want to show you how to get it. And then that's when he tells him, go and sell all that you have and come and follow me. Another way you could say that is lay down all your idols and follow me as Lord. So basically Jesus would deal with everyone differently based on what their main idol is. Yeah. And so, because you see other followers of God and Christ who are wealthy, right? The one who buries Jesus was a very wealthy man. I mean, he didn't tell Peter to sell everything he had. He just said, drop your net. Right. Basically, drop your livelihood. Yeah. Drop what your life is. Right. And follow me. But what was Peter's identity? Fisherman. He's a fisherman. Right. But Jesus is going to make him fisher of men. Yeah. But Jesus, his whole point was, come follow me. Like, I will be your identity. I will be who you are yeah. from now on. And that's the same thing he was offering to the rich young ruler was sell, give away, lay down what you find your hope and your worth in of this world and repent of that and come follow me, accept me as Lord and Savior. And Jesus was giving him what he said he wanted. Like, I am God. I'm standing right here before you and I'm offering you the opportunity to be one of my disciples, to come follow me, to come be with me. All you have to do is give up the temporary things of this world. Mm -hmm. And he couldn't do it. He walks away sad because he was rich. It showed what his idol was, Mm -hmm. what his false worship was. That's why Jesus attacks the riches. But when he says it'll be tough for a rich person to come to the kingdom of heaven right after that is because wealth, the love of money, is the root of all kinds of evil. It's... It's uh, the facade of power. It's the facade of having your life in order. It's yeah. It's it's the means of an end to get what you want in this life for your own glory. And so for the rich person, it's tough. It's tough to lay that stuff down, to put it secondary. Well, your whole Christ. life you have figured out and under control. You would think you'd have your... Um, your life before God under control, meaning mm-hmm. you haven't been brought low through humility to recognize your need for mm-hmm. first the substitutionary atonement of Christ, right. and then second a life of dependence on right. God. You're like, well, I don't need to depend yeah. on anyone. I'm wealthy, and I've figured it all right. out. Yeah, you had a he had a false reality of of his goodness before God, saying that he's kept all the commandments. In those days, the Jewish thought was that. If if you were blessed by God, you were rich. They, right. They had a prosperity gospel even back then. Mm-hmm. And so he's, on the same token, if you had sickness, they believed you had unconfessed sin. Right. Which is still true today, <laughs> for your sake. <laughs> <laughs> but so this Jesus was really rocking his entire understanding of what it means to be saved by God. Mm-hmm. That it wasn't about being. Uh, your works be keeping you good. It wasn't about um, your possessions or being blessed by God because you're wealthy. So basically things. what you're saying is there's no command in Scripture to sell everything we have and follow Jesus that way. Well, the command is that everything would be secondary to Christ. That you, you know, the cost of discipleship in Luke 12 is 
that you would hate your mother, your brother, your even your own life. So, which means to love less in the actual original language there. So, you the lordship of Christ looks like my life conforms to Jesus. Whatever God provides me with, if it's wealth or if it's if it's much or if it's little, it's all to be stewarded for His glory. Mm-hmm. That I look at my life as management like everything i have is given by god to be stewarded for his glory so if the lord blesses me with a business that makes a ton of money then my thought process is how can i leverage this for the kingdom how can i use what god has given to not only provide for my family but to advance the kingdom through giving through giving starting missions or you know just doing whatever i can with how do you feel about the the christian that says i just love business and I know if I go make this money, it'll, it's just more money to give away. I think that's the right attitude if it's true. If it's true. I think a lot of people say that, and really their heart is, I just want to have a lot of money. But, I mean, just the idea of, like, God doesn't need you to go work a business to have more money. Like, he doesn't right. need anything. He doesn't need you to go acquire right. resources so he can then distribute them back. Your decision to do that business should be... A, a different type of biblical decision making where you're really seeking if this is what the Lord has for you first right. and foremost. And if that is what he has for you, you should be faithful in it and do your best. And if it does make a lot of money for you, then you should genuinely leverage it for the kingdom. Like it should be something that you use to give away. Yeah. And here's how you can tell the people who actually mean that and people who don't. If they when, give it. When you give the money, what do you do with it? Because that'll reveal your heart. Right. What you believe is what you do. So I know I know many guys who do make a lot of money and have given a lot of money and continue to give a lot of money to churches, to ministries, to all kinds of things. Right. And I know a lot of people who say they want to get wealthy so they can give it away and are wealthy, wealthier than most of us, and don't even tithe. But yeah. they'll, they'll still say that. And I'll say, you don't mean that because you don't actually do that. Right. Well, also... I mean, because I was this way, like I wanted to continue to working to to uh, be self-employed. And yes, I was genuinely going to give it all away the more I made. And I did give, you know, I didn't give it all away, but I tithe regularly. I was very generous. Yeah. And I, did, I wasn't working too out of greed to make more money, but I loved the uh, the thrill of business. And seeking that, like I, I think it was. Well, I wouldn't say it's sinful because I didn't have another option at that time, but it would have been sinful for me to continue when I had the option of ministry. Sure. So it also showed, once again, to be open-handed with your life. While you were in business, you should be faithful to that and work that exactly. For if the Lord brings something else into your life or is calling you to do something else you should be willing to lay down one and pick up the other it's a very nuanced topic people have yeah. to really ask those and those down, questions to themselves it always comes back to your heart and what you worship i mean at the end of the day and these different options or trials in life really test who and what you worship right like yeah there's also different seasons i mean i came down here to plant the church and in my head feeling like I would probably just be one of the pastors of the church for the rest of my life. But then in the back of my mind, really feeling this call to biblical counseling or doing something more with it. And then when God really pressed that issue, it was, it was a hard thing to like let go of my 
my traditional role, something I thought I was going to do and the way I was going to do it to pursue and begin Nehemiah Project and Biblical Counseling. I know it's not the same as because neither one of them made me any money. Mm-hmm. But even that was like being open-handed with what I think and being willing to be obedient to what God brings along. Yeah. Right? So that and that's always going to be challenged. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not about it's less about the what and more about the whys. Like mm-hmm. you could be rich and be faithful and you could be rich and unfaithful. Well, Jesus, I mean, the whole like the gospel itself is an internal work. Yeah. And his life and ministry is all about calling people to the character, the disposition, yeah. the attitude of a Christian, yeah. not the actual work. If you wanted to distill or reduce Christianity down to a set of morals and ethics, mm-hmm. you'd be confused. Yeah. Like if you look at the Sermon on the Mount and try to make that ethics to live by, you'd be like scratching your head like some of this stuff's really good, but <laughs> some of it's just sure. really hard. I don't I can't make sense of it. My challenge to everyone listening in this regard is what do you actually love? Like really ask yourself, what what could you could you lay it down and Christ be enough. Mm-hmm. Could you, like a really testing of yourself? Could you, could you give it all away tomorrow? Your job, your, your family, where you live. Can like, you could, say? Can you say that with your family? Because that would be like sinful to leave your family. Yeah, you you wouldn't. But could you still like hy- hypothesize that? Maybe. Would you sacrifice your family's vacations and your time in order to? share the gospel or do ministry because mm-hmm. a lot of people you know in from a member like of a would church, you take the cold shoulder from your wife to go share <laughs> the gospel with somebody no what i mean by that is like i mean just take just church members in general there's so many people that won't sacrifice their precious time at home to serve in a ministry or like serve the church a lot of times mm-hmm. won't give did, up did you say precious time sarcastically yeah <laughs> <laughs> Not to say that spending time with your family isn't good. You should balance that, but won't wake up early on a Sunday morning just to serve, or right. won't do like just little things. Yeah, and it's like that's that's really revealing of your heart, mm-hmm. right? Or rush out of church, miss the last song so you can catch the football game. It's like, yeah. come on, dude. You know, yeah, just, and only you can really inventory your entire life and see right. like where do you make sacrifices from. Right or for what do you make it for? Because exactly. there are there's something in your life that will get you up early uh-huh. that will make you stay up late, which is the same thing. You're missing sleep either way. Uh-huh. So what makes you stay and up late? And that'll show you what you worship. Yeah, because a lot of those businessmen. So here's where it comes back: will work long hours, sacrifice family time to make more money, but they won't do that in order to worship the Lord, advance the kingdom, or actually invest in or disciple their family right they won't do that because it's hard business is easy you figure it out and then it's it's easy it's like a game it's a game and it's hard work but it's fun to work hard at something that you're good at and you're gonna get a a, parenting is not fun yeah no one's good at that i'm pretty sure (laughs) right and you don't know what the results are gonna be for a long time (laughs) (laughs) yeah you got no clue (laughs) right you you pray desperately that they turn out to be god-fearing adults but not until they become an adult, will you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah. And everything that God calls us to. So it really comes back to understanding what you worship. And and you you had a great set of questions there. Like what what will you sacrifice for? What we what do you seek? Mm-hmm. What do you what do you spend your time on? What gets you up in the morning? What makes you excited? And if that answer isn't the Lord spending time with him, his word, then you probably have some idols, probably have some areas that you need to repent. Mm-hmm. You know, so this question is less about money, although money is uh, an attractive thing in our culture that a lot of people worship, mm-hmm. you know, but. But well, the poor people can, can a poor people, a poor person can be equally as, uh, or can equally idolize money, thinking that Absolutely. is, the, you know, the, the answer to right. all their problems. Or have other idols, you know, just because you're poor. That was more the call to holy. Peter. It's like, Peter's probably a poor fisherman, and he's like, hey. Drop your nets. Stop striving mm-hmm. to make money. We know you idolize that and follow me. And he said, okay. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, just because you're poor doesn't mean you're more holy than the guy who's rich. Exactly. You could, you could have just as many idols it's all in, about your, heart. in your life, too. So. All right. Jeez, let's transition this topic. Listen, you, you asked it. You want an answer. <laughs> all right. Let's go into our topic. Um, basically, um, Reasons that Christians use to justify their sin. All right. You told me earlier you had seven of them. I got seven reasons. So we, I guess, just hit them one at a time. Let's hit them one at a time, and if, and we might, we might come up with more reasons while we talk about those reasons. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay. First one would be, I deserve this. I deserve this sin. Okay. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's drinking. Overindulging, okay, and alcohol, you know, stressed, gluttony, just, drunkenness, gluttony, drunk. Yeah, I deserve. Yeah, food is probably pretty sure. practical as well. There's a reason why they call it comfort food. I've had a hard day, so I deserve this. Yeah, or for me, I I would confess as a dad coming home, I'm tired. The kids are bad. I'm just going to yell <laughs> at them, right? Because I deserve to have a peaceful home, and I I know yelling is not. <laughs> the best way to handle my children. I need to patiently, lovingly discipline them. But However, does... I deserve a calm household after all the hard work <laughs> I've been doing. And yelling does seem to work in the short term. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it's causing more problems later probably, but it works in the short term. So I deserve yeah. this. Yeah. What do you say to that? Well, that's that's uh, obvious, obviously wrong. Right or wrong, yeah. Um well, I'll start with with the easy answer to it. The only thing we deserve is wrath and death. That's what we deserve because our sin deserves hell. It deserves wrath. Um, Romans six twenty three for the wages of sin is death. Ephesians one or Ephesians two one through three we're children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Like that's what we deserve, and that's all we deserve, right? Uh, and I think that's hard for for people to really wrap their minds around it because we're so prideful, um, me included. We see ourselves as more important than we are. We see ourselves as the center of our own universe. Pride means that we we really want to be our own gods. And so we do struggle to truly understand rightly our total depravity. Like the fact that our sin really does before a holy God deserve death. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Like, God is a just God, a holy God, a pure and righteous God. And our sin deserves to be wiped out. We deserve death. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what God should do to each and every one of us. And understanding that is what allows grace to be so great. Mm-hmm. That God, instead of doing that, sent his only son Christ instead to live the perfect sinless life on our behalf, defeat sin and death on the cross, so that anyone who would believe in him would be saved and be given righteousness, imputed righteousness, credited righteousness of Christ upon us, him taking the wrath of our sin. Like that like we deserve everything that happened to Christ on the cross and more. Mm-hmm. But he gives us grace. He gives us salvation. So we don't deserve anything. And that is the right attitude for us to have. And that is what actually allows us to enjoy things as grace. So I don't deserve a night to myself. I don't deserve rest. I don't deserve, you know, a great house i don't deserve like right you're not entitled to anything anything. i'm entitled to wrath but i'm given grace and made a son of god by the grace of jesus christ Mm -hmm. and i'm given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms ephesians 1 i'm given sonship i'm given redemption for my sins go read ephesians 1 all the things that we're given plus god himself lives inside of us the holy spirit who's the promise the sealed promise of our inheritance so, I don't deserve any of that, but that's what I were given in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I want to spend my days in worship, out of worship. And that's what humility is. Humility is, my day is about serving and worshiping God. He's my king. He's my savior. I'm a slave to Christ, and he's a good slave master. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he deserves my His yoke is worship. easy, burden is light. Right. And so my day is about stewarding everything he's given for his glory. And within that, God does give us rest. I do get to have things like a wife who loves the Lord and loves me. I do get to have the blessing of my children. And I do get to have moments of rest. And I I got a wife who tries to make my home a place of rest. And she thinks about me and thinks for me and She'll take the kids away and tell me to go lay down or, or tell me to take time to myself. And I don't see that as anything I'm entitled, which allows me to worship God and, and see it and enjoy it as grace. But if I don't get that, if I have a day where I'm waking up early, spending time with God, parenting my children, spending time with them, it's hectic, work all day, counseling people, writing things, all this stuff, I'm exhausted. I still, when I get home, I need to be present as a husband and a father. And if I have to work all the way until time for bed and lay my head down, that's okay too. Mm -hmm. I don't deserve to have any sort of special treat. (laughs) Like, I'm not entitled to that, and that doesn't mean that was bad, that that was my day. Right. Right? So it's it's seeing things in in the right view, seeing that my life is about pouring out and worshiping the Lord and being refreshed in the gospel. But when I get those moments of time to myself or peace or or my wife blesses me with a massage like she did the other day, like bought it for me, like 
I don't deserve any of those things, but I get to enjoy those and praise God for it. Like, man, that was, that was really awesome. Yeah. Right? But when you feel entitled to it, you actually don't even enjoy the things you get. Exactly. That just leads to a bunch of criticism. Yeah. Being very it's not overcritical. It's not enough. Or you get it and it and you just, well, I got this time rest, but I really need it. It's just It's how, never good enough. It's never good enough when you're entitled. But if you don't deserve anything, then and everything is a gift. <laughs> it's all good. Everything's good. Which is true. It's not like you're taking on this right. this false humility. No, like that's like, actually true. Right. And I'm not perfect in this. I definitely have days when I I I get sin I'm sinful and I'm prideful and I feel entitled or I feel like I deserve something more and I have to repent. So I'm not saying like I walk around perfectly in this. But when you have a right view of God and his holiness and a right view of your sin, when you think about that, you have no other response other than I am undone as Isaiah in Isaiah six. I'm a man of unclean lips. I have I deserve to be destroyed. And then you're able to see how God, just like with Isaiah, the angel comes over, touches his lips and atones for it and cleanses it. I haven't been able to get that saying out of my mind from when uh, Dr. Nichols was on. Yeah. God is holy. I am not. Christ is my substitute. Yeah. I mean, that's the bottom line. And right. you never you never graduate from that. No. Like God is always perfectly holy and you're never enough right. for him. So right. go ahead and accept Christ as right. your substitute. And, and he's he's enough for you. Right. He's enough on your behalf. Right. He's your representative before the Lord. He's he's everything. And then that allows you to actually enjoy the gifts that you're given. Okay, next one. Saying that your obedience outweighs the sin. Oh, so Essentially like the, the works based kind of scale. I only do out. it on you know once a month, you know. I only yell at my kids so often. I only get wasted mm. on the weekends or once a month, you know, or only during football season, whatever. <laughs> right like, there, yeah. So justifying sin. Justifying Yeah, that's the whole topic. Right. Right? That's what I'm saying. Like, that's the, <laughs> that's just the other way of doing it. Yeah, there's yeah. seven ways, remember? Oh, remember yeah, remember the beginning right. of this? <laughs> this one is about saying your obedience yeah. outweighs. But, I mean, you hit it. It's works-based. Yeah. You resort back to a different way of viewing right. your life with Christ. Well, I'll say it this way, too. is So how much is enough, then? Mm-hmm. And who decides how much is enough? Yeah, what's your standard? What's your standard of enough works to cover enough sin? Let's just let's just pretend like that was true, mm-hmm. right? I think we've already established in the first point that it's definitely not true, right? And we'll there get might there be again. some overlap in these. We'll get there again, but let's just assume that it is. So, where do you find the amount of penance for your transgression? Like, where what scriptures? Right. What like a couple of Hail Marys? Yeah, like, what is it? <laughs> who who decides that? Right, and. If it's not ordained by God, if you don't see it in his word, how can you trust that it's enough? Mm-hmm. And the reality is what you're doing is you're making that up in your own head. Yeah, you're probably not thinking too much about it. Well, you're just wanting to do what you want to do, and you're making up this arbitrary, basically superstition in your mind of how to make yourself feel better for your guilt. Mm-hmm. And that's all well and good except for 
you will still stand before the Lord, who's the holy judge, and your sin will be punished no matter what game you've played in your mind. Mm -hmm. And here's the other reality. If you're able to do that without any conviction of sin, it's probably an indication that you're not actually saved. And that's the worst part of it. Because if you're able to do what? Justify justify that way? Justify things in your mind and not feel conviction for it. Right. Like that's, that's probably an indication of not being saved. Right, because wouldn't you say like the maybe the first indication of being saved is that you are attempting to be aligned to God's word, trying to get rid of any sin there is. Right. And some sin will come quickly. Some sin is more overt. Mm-hmm. And then other sins may take longer to, right. to be sanctified in. But are you admitting that it's sin? Right. But if you but if the word of God says that the only thing that will atone for sin is the the work of Christ, and that what you need is repentance and faith in Christ. Right. Then to make up your own game of well, I'll do enough good, and God will like God will un- see that. Yeah. And that'll cover the bad that you've done. And God's not the one who said that. Then do you understand the gospel? Exactly. All right. Okay. Good point. And do you understand that your essentially rejecting the way that God has made by his son. Mm-hmm. And I ask, I ask people this question a lot. If sin deserves wrath and death and the worst torture that you can imagine, and God loved the world enough that he sent his son to do it, his only son, to take all that, to go through that pain, to to deal with the fact that God turns his back on the cross where Jesus says, why have you forsaken me? All those things. He put his son through that. And if you're a parent, think about your own children. Just so that we could be saved and you decide you got a better way, what do you think God's going to say about that? I'm fired up right now. You're scaring me. I'm just saying. <laughs> I know what I would do, and I'm not God. Right. <laughs> and I'm not perfect and holy. And it's just. Uh, Matthew 18, the unforgiving servant. Yeah, remember he forgives him a large sum of money, and he goes out and uh, basically demands that his debtors pay him back his debt. Right. And Jesus ends up throwing him back in jail. He's like, "Okay, you're not going to get out of jail now until you pay the last cent." Because right. you just you just showed me that you actually never had repentance. Exactly. You accepted the forgiveness. It looked like you did as a gift, but you never repented showing that you actually didn't accept the forgiveness because what comes from forgiveness is repentance. Right. So that if that's you, I would really ask myself if I truly understand the gospel. Yeah, because another thing that it really highlights is the if you think your obedience can outweigh your sin, then you have a view of sin I mean, you already said this. You have a bad view of the gospel. You may not be a Christian. Yeah. But you view your sin as if it's like you don't really understand what sin is. Right. Sin grows like yeast through the dough until it kills the man. What's the verse in James? James 2.14. Sin when it is, or Um, desire when it is birth. In in James 1. Gives gives birth Uh, to sin. Hold on. And when it's fully conceived, gives birth to death. Hopefully I got that. 
Let no one say when he is tempted, this is uh, James chapter 1, starting verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Death. that part. <laughs> so you have a, a, a low view of sin as if it's almost a neutral thing that you can outweigh. But yeah. you have to understand that sin will just grow and continue to grow. And like you are not stronger than sin. Right. The only reason you are a Christian, if you are, is because that God opened your eyes, converted you, and, uh, and made you believe. Right. So you're downplaying sin, which is scary. Which is very dangerous. All right, next one. And last one for today. Everybody does it. Everybody sins. <laughs> I think it's Deuteronomy that says... Everybody smokes pot. says we're dumb, driven cattle, you know? Mm-hmm. Or that that uh, cartoon of like the lemurs that are all jumping off the cliff. You right. Know? It's that idea of groupthink that just because a bunch of people do something makes it right. The masses or conventional thought or just because something's popular doesn't mean that it's right. Truth determines what's right, and God's word is truth. Mm-hmm. And the Bible is actually clear that that actually the way to destruction is wide and many will many will find it but the way the path to righteousness salvation is narrow and few will find it right so actually the masses or what everybody's doing is probably the wrong thing yeah a lot of times unless you're in a in the midst of a biblical community of people who are truly striving to worship the lord if that's not the context you're in then probably what everybody else is seeking to do is probably not driven by the truth of God's word, but driven by their own sin. And you're probably following a bunch of people off a cliff. Even uh, it was either Albert Einstein or Mark Twain. I get those. I think they're the same person in my head because they kind of look the same in my <laughs> head. Not even close to the same. No, no, no. Just their, just by their looks. <laughs> I love both of those guys. Read biographies by them. Read some Mark Twain stuff. I was. I don't. I haven't read any of. Uh, Einstein's writings. That, that logic is like going to China and being like, "All oh, these people are exactly no, the same. no, <laughs> don't you dare! That's terrible." <laughs> that logic is—they're not even close to the same type of people. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, but the, in the second example, I'm not being culturally sensitive, and that would be wrong. Here, I mean, there are two white guys that look exactly the same. That they both have white eccentric hair, and they're both like. You know, eccentric figures. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. One was a writer and one was a scientist. He wrote a lot of stuff too. <laughs> Anyways, I think it was Mark Twain, but he said, at any point, if you find yourself going with the flow, swim the other direction, mm-hmm. basically. I mean, I was just pointing out the fact that this, you know, unconverted person even understood this principle. But what yeah. about the idea of every other Christian does this? Like, for instance, drinking, you know, if you're of legal age. You you may see other Christians drinking because there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing illegal about it. And now, well, to the, well, there's nothing biblically. Like, the sin isn't having a drink. Sin is drunkenness. Right. The point is, you may be convicted to not drink. However, you may try to uh, justify by saying, well, other Christians can drink, so I should be able to. Like basically, you're you're not listening to your own conscience. Right. You're well, allowing others to. 
Romans 14 would speak to that, but Romans 14 says you should only do what you can do in faith. And there's some who's in that passage, some didn't feel like they could in faith eat some of this meat that was sacrificed to idols or right. all these different things. And Paul would say don't condemn anyone for their conviction that they should live out to their conviction that they sh- whatever they should do, they should do it in faith. So just because someone can do something or feel free to do it doesn't mean that you necessarily should do it. You should educate your conscience and the truth of God's word and grow in your faith and then make a choice based on what you can do in faith as unto the Lord. Yeah. And that may be different. You know, some Christians may not feel a conviction and you, you might feel a conviction against it for many different reasons and you shouldn't partake in that. Yeah. It's a particular sin. But these aren't black and white sins. Here here we're talking about maturity and conscience and exactly. wisdom. Whereas the black and whites are the black and whites. So in some ways, like like I said, if you're in a healthy biblical community, like you probably should do what a lot of other mature Christians are doing because as Paul says, like follow me as I follow Christ. Yeah. But you should always examine it against God's word to make mm-hmm. sure that they're doing what the truth of God's word says, not just following that person because you respect them. Yeah. So you always, you know, got to be careful with that a little bit. Mm-hmm. On my last point, uh, or that when we first started this, the scripture about the wide gate and the narrow gate is in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. I could have told you that. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy. That leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So just speaking about the gospel and Christ versus the world. Yeah. You know, the world is sinful and falling away. All right. Well, we got to jump off of here, but uh, I think that was helpful. We're going to come back next week for four more excuses that you need to stop saying and using to justify your sin. Part two. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Later. Thank you for listening to the Change Up podcast. This podcast is made possible by The Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. If you don't have a home church, please come check us out. We have service times at 845 and 1045 on Sundays. And you can find more information at thefieldnola.com. If you found this podcast to be helpful, please share it with a friend or family member and rate and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other people just like you find us.